This is the Find Your Focus podcast with Goals Classroom. We chat with inspiring and creative entrepreneurs to encourage, empower, and equip you to take the next steps in your photography business. We want you to leave each episode with actionable steps so that you can gain confidence, book your calendar, and earn more income with your passion. So grab some coffee or your drink of choice and let's get to it. Hey everyone, I'm Logan Faye and the host of the Find Your Focus podcast with Cole's Classroom. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Christy Odom, who is an internationally acclaimed photographer, a Nikon ambassador, and a motivational speaker. During this pandemic, she has been getting more involved in her community and in result was published in National Geographic. Something that I love about this interview is that Christy tells us how photographing animals and learning how to capture their emotion has helped her in the wedding photography side of her business. She has traveled the world capturing breathtaking photos of wildlife, and you won't believe how much it has helped her in regards to wedding photography. Let's dive into this interview with Christy. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. So the question I always love to start with, because the answers are always so different, is how did you get into photography? Oh, it's such a random story. (laughs) I really never thought I would be a photographer. I actually went to Georgia Tech for electrical engineering. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) You could say that my path went on a drastically different, uh, different direction than where it was started. You know, I had done some photography in high school for the yearbook and things like that. And when I went to Georgia Tech, right before I left, I always kind of grew up close to my family. And before I went to college, my grandfather passed away and left me his camera gear. Uh, and so when I went to Georgia Tech, I started pulling that camera out to, to remember him. And I started to pull it out more and more and more because I was like the shy, introverted kid. And the camera <laughs> gave me this tool to hide behind and I could be at the center of parties and on the field of football games and the foot of stages for these big concerts, the newspaper let me photograph whatever I wanted. And I I don't remember it was the day before or the day after my 21st birthday, but I photographed Bono from U2 on his Elevation tour. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It it was unbelievable. He like picked me out of the, the media pit and he put his eyeball right up against my lens. I turned my focus off and I have this blurry photo of Bono's eye. And that's kind of when I... Wow. That's when I was like, you know, if photography has taken me here, imagine where I can go. Because as photographers, our job is to capture these high moments in people's lives, these high moments in our own lives where we see beauty and we're overwhelmed by the world. And I had a lot of trouble going back to my electrical engineering classes the next day. Ended up transferring. (laughs) I think I would too. (laughs) Even I was on like a full ride at Georgia Tech and everything. And I ended up after three years of engineering, I transferred to a fine arts degree in Australia within concentration photo media. And I decided to pursue photography full time. My weakness was always being an artist because I was very technical. So the fine arts degree was a real challenge for me to like switch that mindset (laughs) and think creatively. Mm -hmm. I didn't do too well in that degree, even though I did (laughs) engineering. But I think that that's what I needed because I needed to learn how to put myself into my work and how to put my emotions and how to make people feel. And, and uh, it brought me into a completely different path than I, than I could have ever imagined. 
That is amazing. I feel like with a lot of photographers, I'm always hearing like photography found me. It wasn't something that necessarily you went out and searched for, but a lot of photographers always talk about how it kind of just found them. I think our past sometimes finds us for sure. And it's definitely strange when it does, but I am so, you know, I, I, I think about photography in a way that it's a life I could have never dreamed for. You know, I dreamed Mm -hmm. of, of being an engineer and making money and going to an office and being a photographer is so much bigger than, than I could have ever imagined my life to have been. And I am, I'm, I'm grateful that it taught me to dream bigger. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. So tell us where you are now in your photography journey. (laughs) It's been a very interesting year this year. It's been one of, it's been a pivotal year, actually, strangely enough. In 2018, I started a project. A lot of my photography really focuses on, well, my mission is to connect people emotionally to wildlife and to show that animals have emotions, personalities, and characters, because I want to get people to understand how beautiful the world is, so they'll want to preserve and and care for it more. I also like to celebrate those with a connection with the natural world. So I, I, for years and years, I kind of shot for singular images, and I've really wanted to try to storytell more and to tell stories that are going to make bigger change. Back in 2018, I started a project that I had no idea how much this project would change me, but it was a project where I followed a group of citizen scientists that meet every Friday to count bugs. And I used to live in the D.C. area. I lived in Sterling, Virginia, which is just south. And I really wanted that connection to nature somewhere close by and something to photograph close to home as opposed to getting on airplanes all the time. Mm-hmm. I started following this group made of mostly senior citizens that met every Friday and they had been doing so for 26 years to count dragonflies and butterflies and other critters in the parks. And it opened up a world of, of, wow, I can really marvel at wildlife, even in the DC area, close to home and got really into photographing insects and photographing birds. And it's interesting because our local parks, the more we visit one place, the more we peel back these layers of nature to just see how deep the biodiversity is around us. So I did that project and I followed it for two years. I didn't realize how important that project was at first, but we have a massive decline in the insect population. Uh, When I was a kid, I remember riding around in the car with my dad and there'd be all these bugs on the windscreen. We'd stop at the gas station and he'd scrape them off and then we'd keep driving. I can't remember the last time we had to scrape bugs off windscreens. Mm -hmm. The thing about the insect population is they're so small that we don't even notice that they're in a decline. But at the same time, insects, they feed our flowering plants, they feed the bird populations, and there's been massive reports of, of declines in bird populations. And so having a group that collected this data for 26 years became really relevant. And this group of senior citizens, they're massive stewards to our environment and our own local ecosystem and what's around us. Mm -hmm. So that story ended up being my first big published story. It got into the Washington Post, and I was really excited about that. And then during the pandemic, when people couldn't go far to see wildlife, the story became more and more relevant, especially since this high-risk group kept going out and counting the insects. Mm -hmm. And the researchers for different butterfly labs got grounded because scientific researchers, they can't travel for a lot of their work right now. 
And so this at-risk group was wearing all their personal protection, keeping their distance, but they were still doing their surveys because they knew the importance of the numbers. And that ended up becoming my first story for National Geographic, which was... It was like a dream come true. It was on the website. It wasn't in print. It was on the web. But it was like, it's always been a dream. And I always thought I'd have to go far. I'd have to go photograph something exotic in a far off place. But my big break was a local story on insects and and people that, you know, are, are changing local community. And so... It's been a great year because I think that that has been a great message in doing workshops and teaching people just about how rich the biodiversity is all around us has given me a big feeling of purpose and it's helped me connect with a lot of photographers. That's amazing. I don't think any of our listeners probably saw that coming. (laughs) (laughs) That is absolutely amazing that you were able to really get into the community and make something come out of it. My goodness, National Geographic. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) It was pretty exciting for me. And I was just, it was cool too, because so many people think they can't make change, but you can make change just by recording insect species on iNaturalist or planting milkweeds in your backyard to, to feed the butterfly population. It's like you think, hear these terms like climate change and you know and you just don't think you can do anything but mm-hmm. I mean, this was a group of senior citizens that were saving parks and and showing like providing these numbers to butterfly laboratories so people understood climate change and effective pesticides and effective land usage so it's it's so crazy how much each individual person can do even if, if it is planting one plant in your backyard and and I think that the story really taught me the power of, of the individual to, you know, make simple changes that can make big changes at the same time. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yes, it does. <laughs> I, and I love that message. I think that's so important for us to realize that we don't have to travel the world to make a difference or we don't have to do something huge to make a difference. Just something like you, like you just explained. You can make a difference by just doing small things like that. So I know that you are in the education world. Can you tell us how you got into the education world? What led you there? (laughs) Oh my goodness. The education world. Such a random story. Okay. So I was really shy and introverted. And when I first started, oh gosh, that story is crazy. I don't know how much (laughs) you want me to go into that. As much as you want to share. (laughs) Oh, I'm an open book, which could be a problem. I don't know. Yeah, photography has become such a a healing tool for so many reasons and so many ways, shapes and forms. Before I was doing full time nature for a long time, I did weddings. And wedding photography, I, I focused on destination weddings, it took me all around the world, which was lovely. So I focused on destination weddings, I'd photograph a wedding in Thailand. And then I would do a personal project photographing the orangutans in Borneo. So I I kept using the weddings to get me to places to fund myself as an artist. And I went through a really bad, I went through, I went through a really bad divorce. I know this sounds crazy, but it's part of my story. And when I went through that kind of real hard time of my life, I was photographing weddings and I was lacking something in my own life. I had stopped believing in love. I had stopped feeling emotion and I was really struggling for a little bit, but I started to use my camera. And instead of like the first couple of weddings, it was just like tears in my car. Like afterwards, it was hard. Yeah. 
But then all of a sudden, that quest of, of wanting to feel again, I started pushing myself to, to really understand what brought people together, the love, the connection. And my photos started showing that emotion because I needed to see it and feel it in my own life. Mm-hmm. And I started winning awards with my work, really tapping into emotional wedding photography. And I remember the first conference I was asked to speak at was called Fearless. It was a fearless conference. And I got up on stage and I told the story about how my couples made me feel and believe in love again. And how the camera became a tool for me to see and feel that again. And I put everything I had out on that stage. I went to public speaking classes. I went to Toastmasters. I worked as hard as I could because I was so nervous about public speaking, but I put it all out there. And then that talk ended up leading to other talks. People were talking about my talk and then it led to more talks. And then it, it led to me talking on Nikon stage, which was unbelievable you know, I took public speaking as something that was a huge opportunity and a gift, even though it was a big fear of mine. But it's mm-hmm. amazing to be able to to reach out and influence or reach out and help somebody else in their life or teach them. So I worked, I, I, I did Toastmasters for like five years. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be the best public speaker I can. I'm going to work as hard as I can. And, and amazing. I think it paid <laughs> off because that led the way to become an icon ambassador. And that also led the way where I was able to get confident enough in my nature work that I left weddings, even though weddings were beautiful. <laughs> but I mean, nature photography is my true heart. So it's, it's, nice, to, it's nice to be able to be doing that full time now. But that's how I got into education. I know that's a, <laughs> like, I, we're, we're all storytellers. So I yes. hope you don't mind a story whenever you ask me a question. <laughs> no, I, I love it. And I definitely got the chills from hearing that story. <laughs> I, I love when I can hear all the different people that we have on the podcast have such different stories. And I usually end up getting the chills or getting emotional or something. And that's when you know you're just a really good storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> so how has photographing animals helped you with shooting weddings? It's so funny, though, because the more and more I photograph for emotions and weddings, the more I realize that people connect and people want to feel and the power of those people feeling like when my brides would tear up when they saw their photos because they felt something again, like made me feel good. And then I started thinking, well, how can I make people feel with wildlife images? So I started to do what I could to understand animal behavior, to understand like how they express the emotions from using, you know, shoulders and ears and touch and gesture. And I started studying animal behavior and using that in my photography. But the interesting thing about that is by looking for these non-traditional ways of showing emotion, that came back into the wedding work. And the wedding work got even more emotional because I was looking for for gestures and glances and, and things that I had never looked for before. So I kept asking myself, where are the emotions in, 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 in a wedding day? And I kept pushing for the unusual moments, you know, bride's last breath as she's walking down the aisle, as opposed to photographing the processional, you know, these moments where the emotion would be on high alert. So the more I photographed emotions and people, the more I looked for in animals and the animals taught me a different way of showing emotions that I brought back into people. And I think that 
doing both of those gave me a unique style of shooting in both of the genres, which is really interesting because for so many years, people are like, you need to specify, you can't do both nature and weddings. And I think the fact that I kept it diverse helped me develop voice and it helped me stand out in the industry. So I would actually argue that sometimes keeping those options open and keeping diversity in your your photography helps you in, in multiple ways. Yeah, it has clearly worked out for you. <laughs> I love it. Are there other parts of just thinking about a wedding? Are there other parts of the wedding? Like you said, the bride's last breath as she's walking down the aisle. Um, are there any other parts that you can tell our listeners that you like to kind of capture to give us an idea of what you look for? You know, it's funny because it's like I always looked for and I don't do weddings anymore, but I love them so much. But there were you know, for so many years, I thought I had to shoot the processional and recessional. Mm -hmm. And then after the bride and groom recessed, after they got married and said their vows, when they walked back down the aisle, and then they were over my shoulder, they have this moment of like, sorry, I didn't mean to say bride and groom, when the couple bride and bride, groom and groom, whoever it was, you know, walked back down the aisle, uh, when they were over my shoulder, there would be like this, oh my God, we just did it. And for so long, I was photographing the bridesmaids and the groomsmen and the mm-hmm. bridal party walking back down the aisle. And I'm missing the maid of honor jumping on the bride and putting her arms out. And so I all of a sudden realized, you know, those aren't the moments getting the third groomsman to walk down <laughs> with whoever he was partnered with, you know. Right. So I started following that instead. Mm-hmm. Started following, you know, what whoever walked the the bride or the groom down the aisle, what they said to them beforehand. Like so I kept asking myself, where are the emotions? And I started moving towards those moments as opposed to photographing what I thought needed to be photographed. Mm-hmm. I love that. So if you're listening, think about if you're a new, and if you're a wedding photographer, and I think this even can relate to family photography as well, think about those emotions that your you know clients are going through during that day or during that session, because I think there's such a huge opportunity to capture more emotion than is actually captured. For sure. <laughs> so, when did photographing animals come into your life? I know you talked a little bit about Australia. So when, when exactly did it come in? You've been all over the world. <laughs> a lot of it came from Australia, but also one of the things I used to do with my father growing up is my dad would take me on dive trips. And I remember just entering this whole new world and I really wanted to have a camera that I could record what I was seeing underwater with. And that's what really got me hooked is the ocean. I fell in love with the ocean. And I remember I had a Nikonis 5, a film underwater camera that you have like 36 shots. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't like, you know, can't change a roll of film underwater. But that was my first real nature camera, which was, yeah. And then, I don't know, Australia just had me fall further and further in love with the natural world. Oh, wow. So... Tell us about your favorite, what is your favorite, where is your favorite place to go to photograph animals? Do you have a favorite? Oh my gosh, that's such a strange question. Not strange, that's a great question, but it's such a, I have so many thoughts right now because like, I'm so obsessed with like photographing the bears of Alaska and I am so obsessed with going to the Galapagos. Australia has a very special place in my heart and so does Sumatra. But at the end of the day, like one of my favorites is just waking up in the morning and getting my camera and driving down to a local park with my friends that I've now gotten to know really well and Mm -hmm. and hearing them get all excited about all the dragonflies and butterflies. So it's... um, (laughs) 
as much as I miss the world, it's been, it's been really nice to, to, you know, really discover something simple and then coming home to my dog at night has been great. Mm-hmm. But I can't wait for travel to open back up. Oh, yeah. I think all of us can probably relate to, to that. Oh, my gosh. So tell us about the workshops that you offer. I am so intrigued in these, and I want to come along. So tell our <laughs> listeners more about these. Uh, I, we love doing the workshops. So I I just got married October 1st. So oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. My husband, he is a big advocate of getting people outside and giving people adventures. I also used to be a travel agent for a little period of time. So the workshops kind of came together as this way of, well, let's give people these life-changing experiences and get them to become better storytellers so there's more passion spread throughout. The more people we can get to love the planet and also learn how to storytell, the more we can just spread passion and spread the beauty of this place. So we've been doing these international workshops to photograph bears and photograph African animals. Like we go back and forth to Kenya a lot. We were in Africa three times last year. Wow. We've got some great trips lined up for 2021, including photographing humpback whales in Morea, photographing the gorillas in Uganda, photographing the wildlife in Kenya, and and we've got some, we've got a Bolivia workshop uh, that we haven't announced the dates for yet. The other ones, the dates have been announced, but we just we love getting to know people on a personal level and also getting them to understand that the camera is a tool where we can show our unique voices and how beautiful it is when we actually tap into how we're feeling when we're taking photos so that we can get other people to feel as well. That's amazing. I was looking through your website and I immediately took my computer over to my husband and I was like, (laughs) I want to (laughs) go. I would love to, we would love to have you. We have so much fun. He looked at me like I was a little crazy because we have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So I don't know what's going to happen this next year, but it is on my list. (laughs) So one more question for you. What is your favorite thing about photographing animals? Can you narrow it down to one? (laughs) Okay. So when I look through the camera, it's like all the noise disappears, all the news, the media, my own insecurities, everything goes quiet. And for a split second, I'm left with this pure overwhelming beauty. And nature has such a a simple way of reminding us just how beautiful it is. And it has such a simple way of taking every element out so that we're focused on one aspect. I I cry a lot behind my camera when I take photos because of, of that feeling of feeling so small, but it's a grand feeling of feeling small, if that makes any sense, because the world is just so big. Yeah, I'm I'm addicted. I I I think I need nature photography <laughs> a lot for myself and my own my own sense of sanity and happiness and it's almost spiritual to me which might sound really silly but that's... I don't think it's silly at all. I think that makes total sense and I love that even and you know during this crazy pandemic this crazy world that we're living in right now you have found a way to get involved in your community and you know, just get out there and still photograph nature in a different way. 
And it is one other quick thing about we are going to launch more spring classes. One of the things that we've been doing is a lot of virtual classes where we teach people how to photograph the birds and the bees and the plant life and all the biodiversity that's in local parks. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing that people can do from home. I've had over 100 people go through the program this year. Oh, that's amazing. it's been so cool seeing all the all the little critters and all the bird life from all over. The U.S. is really beautiful. It is. Um, so it's it's been nice to kind of be able to teach people. So you know you don't have to go to these grand places. It's I mean they're they're grand and they're amazing and they're great, but there are more accessible workshops for people that are staying home and mm-hmm. until the world opens back up. <laughs> you know all that good stuff. <laughs> so if our listeners want more information on those workshops, where can they where can they go? And just go to christyodom.com and that's K-R-I-S-T-I-O-D-O-M. And on there, you're welcome to subscribe to the newsletter and the people that are subscribed to the newsletter get first dibs on all the workshops. So they get pre-announcements and stuff like that before they go live. So just go to that subscribe button and put in your email address and I will let you guys know if you're interested in any of the workshops or as well as, um, you know, fine art prints or anything like that. Perfect. And we'll link all of those in the show notes as well. Um, where else can we find you on social media? I'm pretty active on Instagram. So an Instagram is just Christy Odom. <laughs> it's, yeah, Instagram. I'm on Facebook a little less, but mostly Instagram. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I need to go grab my camera and head outside and take some pictures of the world around me. We have a beautiful nature trail by our house. So I think next time I take my kids down there, I'm going to bring my camera along. Oh, I would love to see. I'll have to share them with me. Thank you so much, Logan. This of is course. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Find Your Focus podcast with Cole's Classroom. I hope that you got some great takeaways from this episode that you can apply to your business. Make sure to visit colesclassroom.com backslash podcast for the show notes and any links that we talked about during this episode. If you like this episode, head over to iTunes and tap that five-star button and leave us a review.